Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out all the live events they have, all the podcasts, all they got going on. That is OsirisPod.com. Today, I am pleased to present an interview with singer and songwriter Kenny Roby. He's the former lead singer of Six String Drag, which he formed with old friend bassist Rob Keller in the early 1990s, which became one of the main bands of the Americana movement. The band's style ranged from old-style country with a hint of soul and gospel to rock and roll. While Six String Drag broke up in the late 1990s, Kenny continues to make records and play live shows with The Mercy Filter, which includes Scott McCall of $2 Pistols. He has also released a bevy of solo albums. His latest album, which is the focus of this episode, is a self-titled album, and it's excellent, really extremely beautiful. It was written and recorded in Woodstock, New York, where Kenny relocated from Raleigh, North Carolina in 2019, where he embraced the spirit of songwriters who once inhabited the very same hills, like Fred Neal, Van Morrison, Tim Harden, Bobby Charles, Levon Helm, and of course, Bob Dylan. Before we dive into this interview, I'd love to offer a taste of, uh, of one of the songs off the new album, one I really love. It's called Married to a Train. Whoa. 
In this episode, me and Kenny talk about the album a whole lot. We dig into it. We talk about uh, specifically about some of the songs on it, the influences behind it. But we dig deeper into his larger career. And if you don't know his work, this could be a great introduction for you. And we talk a whole lot else about Woodstock, New York, about his uh, working and uh, friendship with Neil Casal, the late Neil Casal, and and a whole lot more. It's a great interview. And uh, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Kenny Roby. podcast uh thank you very much for the time i really appreciate it i've uh yeah. I've, I've really dig this album a whole lot i uh oh, after I, listened to it, I reached out to kevin right away i'm like i'd love to talk to kenny about it and learn more about mm-hmm. it but uh did Wait. i just miss um did i just miss you coming through new york you just played rockwood right uh yeah i did yeah, yeah. that was uh i think i just fell into the album right afterwards that's a shame where are you now sure, so you're sure. in woodstock now right yeah, I live in Woodstock. Um, right now, I'm at my sister's on near the North Carolina coast, oh, cool. just off the coast. So she's she's in Europe. So I'm watching the pets and enjoying a free stay near the beach. Oh, cool. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking, um, but how's it? How's it? Uh, how's living in the North been? Because you moved. I think if I'm right about this, you moved from Raleigh to uh, Woodstock, kind of when you were doing the the reservoir, right? Yeah. 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 I moved. Uh, well, yeah, just. I came up and did the reservoir in October of 2019 and I just kind of fell in love with it and met some folks, um, in and out of the music and art scene. And, um, amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a great spot. And, you know, of course I was up there in the fall, you know, to make the record. So, you know, it's beautiful. And then (laughs) I move up there, move. And then I I moved up there Thanksgiving weekend, um, just after we made the record and, you know, went to the barn because Jeff and Tony were playing with Amy and a bunch of those folks doing a Grateful Dead thing. So all that community and uh, it snowed that weekend. It was beautiful (laughs) and amazing. And then like three months later, the pandemic hit. Yeah, so, oh, good. Well, that's a, that's a yeah. great, good. That's a good spot to be there and all that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. How did um? And it was just it was mentioned kind of in the press release and all that. But how does um that new location and I guess the new beginning kind of inform um your music and particularly this uh, this album because I feel it's in there. There's I mean, especially starting with the new day. I mean, mm-hmm. it really speaks to to moving on and i mean it's even nods to um you know geographically crossing the virginia line and then also you sure. know, just to 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 a new new life to so to speak yeah i i think um honestly i, I don't know you know what forces behind all that uh, if there's any you know i go sure. in and out of my feelings about that kind of stuff but i, I don't know if it was really intentional um 
it was just so I was just I I was just um really just putting down things that I wanted to record, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think just certain things fell into place that way. I mean, being up there and it being my second record up there recording at Applehead, you know, meeting some folks and, you know, Amy and John Sebastian uh, uh, graciously appearing on the record. And and yeah. this record also was recorded with Dan Daniel Littleton on guitar and Dan's kind of a, a staple, just incredible musician in the area and plays with a bunch of folks and more than and guitar. Dan, he did a whole lot on that? the album. More than guitar. Daniel did a lot on yeah, the album. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of stuff. And you know, it's funny because we we met briefly at that Grateful Dead thing. Oh, cool. cool. Um it was like a Thanksgiving Grateful Dead tribute yeah, that, yeah. that Dan was playing with Amy and all those those cats uh, mm-hmm. that play at the barn. Yeah. Um and so that was the only time I really met him and talked to him a little bit until he came in because Jeff, you know, had played with them son and said and said, you know, Dan should you should think about getting Dan to play with you sometime. And I was like, you know, he was the guy who I was watching the whole time with that <laughs> Grateful Dead tribute. And uh he just has something special about him. He's yeah. definitely a special player. He's very original. He he never uh kind of unless you want him to can plays the same thing twice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very interesting, sort of of that, you know, sort of cerebral uh guitar player thing, like you know, like a marker bow sometime or mm-hmm. uh or a, a raccooner kind of guy, you know, just a very uh, artistic player and uh, very interesting, like I said, cerebral player. But anyway, so, you know, having a guy like that who's who lives up there and yeah. is part of that scene sort of helps that come into place with the, you know, the Woodstock thing. And um, and also we've, we, dis- we discovered the first day recording together that we were both friends with Michael Hurley and he and, and Michael and I are fans of each other's mm-hmm. and, and uh, we played with Michael Hurley and six string drag back playing with Sunbolt in Minneapolis like oh, wow. a thousand oh. years ago yeah. and uh, yeah. sort of became friends and, and mutual admiration thing. And then, so then I found out that Michael, that, that, that Daniel and his wife, Elizabeth Mitchell huh? had made a record with Michael, that wow. Ida Snock record. And also that Dan was a touring member of Hurley's band. So like all the references <laughs> wow. like that him and I, we, we really had an unspoken yeah. Uh, language a lot of times musically. He was just like, he fit with me perfect as a guitar player. Did you say um, that um he was the link to John Sebastian? Because that's, I mean, you got quite a legend. And he was, he was the link to John yeah. Sebastian as well. He had done some stuff that had, he was a, a, a friends with John and uh and done some stuff here and there with john and he goes man that'd be cool you know some of the stuff if you want any harp we could see you know if he wants to come in and play some harmonica and then uh yeah so we got him to come in and uh he was into it i don't know to be honest if he even really listened to some of my stuff before he came in or Uh it was just like oh well dan says this guy's cool you know like hey man he's cool like high school he's cool man (laughs) um so he came in and uh and laid stuff down and just told us some great stories all day in the studio i mean yeah uh, i mean he's he was on the doors albums and like i mean all that loving spoon i need to ask you because he's on tim harden's first record you know like the fred (laughs) neal's first record you know it's amazing it's quite a legend people are um in a couple of the reviews that people are wondering if i don't believe in magic is a retort to uh the love and spoonfuls uh do you believe in magic <laughs> no it's it's so funny well it's so Beautiful. funny it's like 
I don't know if I could really go into it and really articulate it, but you know, I go in and out like I sort of implied before about the spiritual thing, you know, if there's kind of a higher power and uh, uh, me and some close anonymous friends of mine talk about that kind of stuff all the time. And, uh, and, and, you know, that song was more about like, it's like, it's almost love or magic. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or whatever, or you, or I don't believe it's magic. It's, it's it's i don't know i really can't describe it it's almost in the buddhist sense like there's there's no god you know and it's like it doesn't matter yeah like if there's magic or if this is you know especially being around woodstock and a lot of friends i have are very much into a lot of new age stuff or a lot Uh of spirituality stuff and my point a lot of times well it doesn't really matter it matters your actions you know love is an action and that's the most important thing i never really considered you know the whole thing do you believe in magic i was like no like it's in the song, uh, the point kind of is, I don't believe any of this is magic. It's beautiful and it can be a miracle sort of without the, 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 the wand or the magic, you know, that it's, yeah. it's incredible that we're on this earth and we're living yeah. this life. And it's like, I can see beauty without it having to be magic, you know, cause like everything the last 10 years, like, Oh, it's magic. It's the universe is doing yeah. this for me. And that I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we need all that, but you know, it can be beautiful as it is. It doesn't have to believe it, in that stuff. Yeah, totally. It felt, uh, in it's conclude a real tribute to, to love and to like, just that, that, that being so special. And we just talked about John, the harmonica on that, that song just is killer. It's really, really which, cool. which oddly enough is pretty magical, you know, <laughs> because, because, you know, because that's, that's John and I, you know, it's, you can't really, I mean, you could describe it and you could say kind of like Dan and his ability as a musician and the other guys who played on the record as well. It's like, yeah, it's technical and you have to learn the technical, but there's also just something special when he plays harmonica. And it's just, it sounds like those records that we're talking about. He gets, he plays and you just laugh. Like Dan and I are in the studio with Chris, the engineer in the, in the control room. And he's out there playing on that song. I don't know if he even thought about it. The the fact that, well, if he was listening to lyrics, but he does listen to lyrics because He was going to play on Sailor's Request and uh-huh. didn't want to do it because he was like, I don't need to really add much to this. And reverence to the song. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. like, man, I don't know. I can try something. And he did. And he was like, yeah, we didn't really need it. And he's like, yeah. And he, but he sat there and listened to the song. He would stop while he was playing. Go, uh, man, that's a good line. And he would sit uh, there and compliment <laughs> the song. And he was like, boy, Kenny, this is really good stuff. You know, and he was really complimentary and, that's you know, awesome. Um, and maybe feel really good, you know, and and I don't really even know or care if he meant it. Yeah. You know, it was nice for him to say it. A friend of mine has this thing. He goes, Uh, he tells the audience, he's a singer songwriter. He's a really great writer. And he, Uh he gets up there and he goes, man, I don't care. You don't have to even mean it. It's nice that you like are being nice enough to clap. (laughs) Like you don't have to, if you put a $20 in the buskers, you know, hat, does it really matter if you like it or if you're just showing him love? I don't need no intention here. Does it matter? You're still doing the action. I think, uh, I think Sam Harris, I was listening to him and he talks about uh, that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. he does a, um, does a, a donation that's automatic out of his account he sets up donations so Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to feel it you know it's doing the work by setting up the donation (laughs) to these charitable organizations and you just do it automatically and then it doesn't become about the feeling or that you know it's maybe a little bit 
maybe it's a little more altruistic that way. Absolutely, because you know? you're not getting so, that whatever that little high you get from 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 doing something. Exactly. Kind, yeah, you know? but it's still it matters that still you do happening. it, which goes back the to action. what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's magic; it's amazing. It's amazing. You know that still. something happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were talking about some of the guests, and I mean, you and Amy have have quite a synergy. I mean, I just that you on um you two on the uh, uh, too much to ask on the Neil tribute album is just beautiful, and then again in New Day, um, she's just amazing. It must be pretty special uh, uh, singing and 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 playing with her, huh? Yeah, it is. It's 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 very uh it's moving and it's yeah. serious and it's sort of you know for lack of a better term again so here we go like playing yeah. both sides of this <laughs> you know the, it's, it's spiritual you know yeah. but but it, at the same time it's it's fun and we like goof around and laugh yeah cool the it's whole like time that. you know uh, yeah. you know and we'll joke around okay we got to be serious now and you know so the, it's a good rapport and a good energy um and even you know the neil thing we we yeah. You know, it was very serious, and, and she took it very seriously. And it very, and she was moved by not only Neil, she didn't know him personally, but knew a lot of people knew him. But, but, you know, her her own brother died oh. uh, by suicide. Wow. Uh, I don't know if it's around ten or eleven years ago. Uh -huh. I think it may have been longer. But you know, so she, it was very close to her, yeah. the project, um, and. Um, what it was about and what it was for and yeah. she was glad to do it and and happy and honored to do it but um and and also but also like i said we were goofing around yeah. you know yeah and and, and had a good time and then we'd have a serious talk and then we'd do some vocals together but but the funnest part and i love to hear her sing in the studio with me mm -hmm. but also just when we get on two mics and we're near each other and can like where I, a lot of that stuff, I was singing harmony with her. Like I was oh, yeah. doing a falsetto with her true range <laughs> just to sort of, you know, ugly up the room a little bit. So maybe so sort of like the stones thing or the funkadelic uh -huh. thing, you know, yep. let's just put this really ugly, muddy guitar yeah. on this thing. So it's not too clean, you know? Uh, so I yeah. sort of, I bring the, you know, the ugly factor <laughs> in a little bit. So me doing falsetto with her true, beautiful voice, really, you know, it works actually. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, it does a little bit of that P-Funk thing sometimes mm -hmm. when, I, when I do some background vocals like that, yeah. then it just sort of, as they say in hip hop producers say, make it a little more ignorant, you know, Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and not, not too clean and too pretty. You know? Yeah, exactly. Add, 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 add some, add some layer there to it. So you, um, yeah. you mentioned the song. I want to ask about it just because it really is that beautiful sailor's request. And I was wondering if you could speak on it, it like lyrically a little bit, just, I mean, kind of what the, you know what what what's the story you're telling here kind of i mean i was almost curious the whole time it's just so deep and speaking i was wondering if there you had a relationship to the ocean or just like or you're telling you know where you're speaking from it's really it's a stunning song it really gets me oh thank you um that i wrote that song when i was around 24 i think um and um my dad was in the navy for 21 years oh wow and I can't remember if I kind of had the idea and then I, and it maybe inspired, you know, my, my dad was, I was young, I was the youngest. And so he was sort of on the tail end of his uh, Navy career. So he wasn't gone quite as much when I was a kid as he was at times where I didn't remember it as much. Like he was out for almost two years on and off on an aircraft wow. carrier. He worked on, um, in, in submarines. He was a, an, an yeah. engineer and, um, 
So we helped train people on how to, you know, run submarines and, mm-hmm. and build them. Actually, he worked with uh, with uh, Admiral Rickover for the Sea Wolf program in oh, wow. the sixties, um, right before I was born. Is that all out of and, South Carolina? Um, what's that? Is that all out of South Carolina? Well, he was in Charleston, South Carolina for a while on working with uh, the submarine training programs, but the Rickover stuff was in DC because it was on the development of nuclear powered subs mm-hmm. um, early, you know, in the, in the, in the sixties. But um, anyway, so yeah, I, I guess I kind of had him in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, it, it was a nice compliment. Like after I played it for him or he first heard it, um, he died in, in, uh, in 2001, but um when I first uh, played him a recording or let him hear a demo of it, he was like, oh, he said, that's really great. He said, you really nailed that one. And he, yeah. he really liked it when I played it live sometimes. And I, yeah. oddly enough, I actually sang it at his funeral uh, um, at the, at, at the cemetery because it was weird. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let me sing it, sing it because it was a secular song and it's a Catholic church. Come on, guys. And so it had to, yeah, I know it had to be something that was part of the Catholic canon, yeah. musical canon or whatever, whatever all that is. Yeah, so it was really yeah. strange with those rules. But yeah. so they were like, oddly enough, they were like, well, you could just sing it at the gravesite, which was really <laughs> probably about the worst gig you could have, yeah. you know, singing the song you wrote about the Navy yeah. <laughs> or a sailor, you know, at your dad's, you know, gravesite you know it's very very strange yeah it was very very intense so you know and i recorded that with neil casal did you um a a live version Mm. um on black river sides Um, i didn't know it was on that yeah yeah and and then there was also a version that was on um there was also a version that was on uh a demo mm-hmm. that never came. Well, it was supposed to be a real recording that that was never released for E squared yeah. um, on an EP we did for them that never came out um, okay. when we were That's on E squared. Steve Earle's la- label back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so this is the yeah. only like real official album release, and I changed the melody. If you go back and listen to either of those oh, yeah. versions, yeah, uh, I changed the melody a little bit, you know, but all the lyrics are pretty much the same. But I just thought it was time to redo it, just like New Day. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I like those other versions, but I wanted to experience them a different, those songs a different way, and sort of present them a different way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I wanted to redo. It was just yeah. like, oh, I've never really done this. It'd be nice. Let me mess with it and see. And I started messing with uh, Sailor's requests at home a little bit, changed the key, changed around just a little mm-hmm. bit the melody. I was like, oh, let's give this thing a shot, and the people in the studio and yeah. were into it. So give it a new life. Um, Married mm-hmm. to a Train really stands out because it's a uh, it's so sonically different than, than, you know, everything else on the album, really. It's, it's, you know, very percussive um, and just, it just, it's got a movement and, and, and a feel that's different. And I also just lyrically, I'm just, I, I, it's that song really, really gets me. And, and I just was wondering if anything you could tell us about, uh, you know, what about maybe about the metaphor, you know, what, what you mean by married to a train or anything you could tell us either sonically too, because it really, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you know what I mean. How it how it stands yeah. out, a different rhythm uh, than the rest of the album. And it really yeah, that, yeah, it was. Um, so I originally came up with that idea. It was part of the the idea, not the complete song. Just basically the um, the pre-chorus. Uh, 
and and the the idea and the line for I'm married to a train, but I didn't have the last part of that line. Um, and I I that was for the reservoir, like part of that those oh, batch really? of songs um, that I I came up with, like maybe around the time when I wrote Old Love yeah. for the reservoir. Um, um yeah i i i'm trying to think i i i played it for neil or a little part of acoustic and it didn't i didn't really stand out as like something but it sort of s stuck in my cross so to speak or just yeah, kind of yeah. stayed in there and was churning around yeah. and I, we never really came up with an ending chord or i never really completed it as a song and i think i was going back and listening to some little snippets of demos that I'd done that I'd sent Neil back in 2019. And, and I came across that. I was like, Oh, I didn't really finish that. I'll mess around with this. And some of the lyrics were prompted by, um, that old Alan and John Lomax American folk song mm. book. I forgot the official title of it. Um, uh, and it's just like a book this thick of just oh, yeah. American folk songs. And I was just stuck on like the lyrics and I was like, I got to come up with an idea. And I just went through like these old folk <laughs> songs. Ideas and just like, there, yeah, I just, it was just a prompt, you know, it wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. I like took whole songs or anything. It was just like, Oh, let me take that line. And then I would like write my own version of the next line and take a little half a line and, and oh. did that a couple times. And it just sort of came to its, you know, um, sort of came to fruition that way. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I threw some Woodstock, there's a Rock City Road reference, you know, there's some Woodstock references in there. And um, the the Married to a Train, I think I just sort of like the, you know, it's funny yeah. you're talking about John Sebastian. He's like, oh, uh -huh. that's cool, man. I like that, you know, yeah. that line. And uh -huh. it's like, oh, that's cool, man. Married to a Train. Um, I think that concept, probably what it means to me now is like, you know, it's that whole, you know, you can't stop this ride, you know, yeah. it's like, it's sort of maybe, I, I, maybe like, well, I'm not married to in a relationship. I'm married to art, the music, whatever it is, the path yep. that I'm on or the ride that I'm on, you know, and I don't even know what it is, you know? Um, on. Good luck getting off. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or if it's like a devil's train, you know, like the devil's <laughs> train, like a Hank Williams song, you know, yeah, that yeah. which is one of my favorite Hank Williams songs. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's sort of open ended in some ways. Um, just sort of like whether it's a good or bad thing, it doesn't really matter. You're on it, you know. This yeah, is the ride yeah, we're on. Yeah. This is the life that we're yeah. living. And exactly. yeah, as far as but sonically and musically and arrangement wise. Mm -hmm. um, it was more in a country kind of vibe, yeah. like Johnny Cash kind of feel, uh -huh. um, like uh, in a bit of a rockabilly kind of thing, or like uh, maybe Johnny Cash meets, um, I don't know, just just stuff like that, um, like a like I'm just like a Hank Snow kind of mo I'm moving on kind of vibe, you know. Uh -huh. um, so when we got in the studio, we were just messing around with it. We we're just playing around with it. And like, oh, what can we do with this? And, and I started playing it really simply just the doom, do, 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 you know, real, real, real simple. Mm. And, and it sort of had almost like a African meets Afro Cuban kind of little vibe Absolutely. to it, kind of Island yeah. thing. Yep. And it sort of had like, 
it, it sort of had like a raccooner vibe, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing, just sort of, um, or Tom Waits or whatever you would want to say, or Afro Cuban All Stars kind of thing. And so we just sort of went with that. Yeah. And just messed around with it. Mm-hmm. and uh and just kept playing it until we got a, a feel we liked and then tony came back in and added percussion on it and yeah. which really excuse me which really brought it to life um and then uh Drives it. and dan i did overdubbed a bunch of cool stuff and yeah. then i had a couple acoustic yeah. things yeah and then i did the weird double vocal on it you know mm-hmm. um and then john came in and it's uh, we were so we had we had John Sebastian's studio, and Dan literally goes, John goes, we'd done a couple of songs, and I think we did New Day, and I don't believe it's magic. And he goes, well, you guys got anything else? You know? <laughs> so we're like, oh, he, John Sebastian's offering to be like, okay, to play on more songs. Yeah. You know? we're like, sure. And I said, well, I'm married to a train. And um and so he's like, oh, that's cool. I like that title. And we played it for him. He goes, oh, cool. And when he went in, I didn't say anything to him, mm-hmm. but he started playing a little bit. And we didn't really tell him like what to go for. And I was like, I told Chris and Dan, I said, we need to put a bunch of delay on this and yeah. go for the Augustus Pablo thing. <laughs> almost like it's like it's, you know, Melodica or something. Yeah. And, uh, and ex- like right off the bat, you know, Dan was like, that's exactly what it needs. And he thought the same thing. And Chris thought the same thing. And Chris was like, we're going to dub this thing out. So it's got the Afro-Cuban thing. Yeah. And it sort of has a dub aspect mm-hmm. to it as mm-hmm. well. But also it reminds me, it almost has like a, like an Enio kind of spaghetti Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To it too, yeah. Or like desert. Like I, I imagine that that song could be, in a modern western yeah. western like a cormac mccarthy book right. or something set yeah. to film like it's kind of has that yep. desert feel to Definitely. it as well so yeah. it's kind of yeah so yeah i love that i love it's it's one of my favorite songs on the record you know it might be an outlier to a lot of people but i really yeah. it's one of my favorites it's, it's, i've definitely listened to that 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 middle chunk of married to a train sailor's request is just on replay over here did tony and Jeff, Jeff's bass really stands out on a lot of tracks. Is are they, they mm. are they on the reservoir? They play with you often, right? Yeah, they they, okay. they played on the reservoir as well. Okay. So, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. On the mix, but like on um, what's happening here in New Day? Uh, Jeff's bass really just really oh yeah sounded so so clean in a really really good way, really pronounced. It was awesome. Um, is uh is Suzanne autobiographical? It really seems so personal. No, it's really not. It's <laughs> really know. not. It seems so it's personal. Actually, it, it's it's. I know it really does. Like people ask me, like, who's Suzanne? Yeah. Like, does that does that freak your girlfriend? I didn't out? know if I wanted to I'm bring like, it no. up. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not actually. I mean, it's sort of about a lot of relationships, probably, right. or a lot of us in relationships. But um, no, oddly enough. I don't even know what song it's from, but there's mm-hmm. there's a line in that folk song book that says she's a deep water ship and it's a deep water crew. Uh, and I just took that line and ran with it and basically wrote that song around it, even uh, though uh, that wow. really doesn't have anything to do with the, the <laughs> next, like the next, like it's about being on a ship, you know, the first verse and then the next one's about being on the, on the highway and then it's on the river and the mountains. But yeah, I think it just prompted me. I had, I had that song 
I had the melody for it. It's another one that I found on a demo that back mm-hmm. when I was playing around with some six string drag stuff, we were all just mm-hmm. jamming around in the room and I was coming up with these chords and they were playing along with me. And it was a straight, like kind of Tom Petty's Dylan kind of rock song, mm-hmm. like a rock and roll singer songwriter song. And then I was just messing around with it after I'd listened on the demo and I was trying to find songs for the new record. Mm-hmm. And I just started messing around playing it as a waltz. Yeah, out of nowhere I, I just messed around and did that little lick and i was like yeah. oh okay and is. i took that melody that i had before with it and it's just sort of like it's sort of had a sailor's feel like you know it just had it was another sort of <laughs> mariner song you yeah. know it's it another nautical theme you know and there's a few on the record actually totally Absolutely. um there's a lot yeah, of you know, journey songs, whether it's train or by boat or something, you're kind of kind of yeah. out there moving, you know, crossing the mm-hmm. lines and then leaving things behind. And it, it's got to move yeah. to it and, and, and yeah. you know, working, on, working on a new home. Is that a, I'm sure I'm reading into this, but it's a, 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 I'm just curious because New Day feels so optimistic to me. And then also working on a new home has the same kind of thing it feels like it's you know kind of optimistic as well and i didn't know if that Mm -hmm. was by by design or something but it's also just so it's it seems like a gift you have is this finding a way to blend this kind of sadness and beautiful melancholy with this optimism and so it Mm -hmm. starts with this optimism and ends with this optimism i don't know if that's something that you guys thought about as you were as you thought you thought about as you bring into life but it really it, it has that bookend feel of really you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of chunky stuff in the middle and, you know, a lot of hope on the ends. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I can't, honestly, I can't remember if, <laughs> if, you know, how much, like I thought, okay, new day, working on a new house. Sometimes that's, it's probably happening and I'm just not really thinking about it sure. or I have a quick idea and throw mm-hmm. it in there and I forget why I did it. But I think sequencing for, like records can really tell a story really can um and re you know regardless of the musical flow of things Mm -hmm. but lyrically i think that you know i think that that's something that's really important to me and important to most people to throw what's good what's a good song you know on the record uh like it's a series of singles you know just sort of it's an album for a reason to sort of make it have a yeah. feel, you mm-hmm. know, and that these characters go into each other. And and it may be a thread that I can't even really describe or even remember why right. I did it. Um, but f- like a lot of times it's, it's sort of something speaks to me and tells me that, you know, yeah. that this needs to be here for this reason or yeah. that reason. Sometimes it's really obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's not like the, like Sailor's Requests and, and, and magic and mm-hmm. Mary do a train. Like I felt like, like it was sort of the first few songs were pretty, the first three songs were relatively organic rootsy kind of songs. Yep. And then it sort of went into the nighttime Turned and in. gets into a little bit creepy yeah. and goes yep. into the graveyard and walks yep. around a little bit yep. with the middle That's songs. Uh-huh. And then it gets back to being a little bit more organic on the second half of the record, you know, yeah, it totally. seems to, you know, and then I don't uh, know about, you know, hard. if I meant optimistic, but also I like, you know, there, I think there's two ways sometimes to end a record. It's either on the sort of, the ethereal like a song like sailor's request you can end the record with it and just sort of go off into space like it's very open-ended you know you can do that or you can end it with you know something that's sort of somewhat specific like working on a new house like okay here's the bookends you know or and a little bit lighter yeah you know 
Definitely. and sort of leave a little bit of optimism and a little bit of silliness. And that, that mm-hmm. song, you know, people reference Nilsson on it, but it really was as much of that as like Rye Cruder meets Michael Hurley meets uh-huh. children's uh-huh. music or John Prine, yeah. you know, yeah. of working Fun. on a new house. It was yeah. my, it was my nod to Bill Monroe's working on the building. You know, uh-huh. that's, I had the idea of borrowing part of that, if, that in mind as a title, but that was it. Nothing else is like working yeah. on a building. I was like, hey, I'm working on a building, you know, but I was yeah. like, I'm working on a new house. And then it was more like a prime kind of thing and uh-huh. meets, you know, that children's song, that yeah. playful thing going on with it. You know? yeah. It's super fun. It's super it's great, great, great closer. So we mentioned him a couple of times and I would just, um, it's, it's, it's wild how close you were to Neil and, 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 you know, you played his wedding. It's you guys were worked on. He was supposed to produce the reservoir, you long relationship. I was curious if he, you know his that loss and 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 how uh, you know everything there that still that that those that creep into the the songwriting and you know the the, the you know does does Neil's um you know touch on your music kind of uh, still still linger and a made major way. I mean it's amazing you know how much you work together and and you, you know you brought him up uh, in some of these songs already. I'm just curious about. Mm-hmm. You know how much he exists and and your songwriting these days and just you know and, and anything you want to say there just because I was such a fan of Neil and you know I just, yeah. that Highway Butterfly thing really meant a lot to me. I got to see that show at the Cap and the whole thing. It's just it's yeah, really special stuff. Yeah, I mean Neil, there's you know a lot of people say like you know there's not a, a day goes by that I don't think about like someone that's yeah. gone and you know I think as a friend or a musician, but you know, but also because I work some with the foundation, it's like mm-hmm. that Neil's like always there. Yeah. Like his presence is always there. I mean, if you want to call it spiritually, but literally his name <laughs> is like, it's like yeah. Neil, yeah. Yeah. like something to do with Neil is pretty much in pretty much every one of my days. Yeah. And what you're doing um, instruments in the schools is incredible, man. That's really great. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm, I play a small part in that and, mm-hmm. um, part. And, and I, you know, and try to talk about it when I play out on the road, try to talk about Neil, play this, you know, too much to ask from the highway to butterfly and, you know, and talk about the foundation. Um, For one, I feel like it's important and it's also maybe a little bit selfishly. um, It gives me a little bit more fuel than me just being out there promoting my music Mm -hmm. uh, for like doing something different, you know, at 50 years old, you know, that gets Mm -hmm. a little old. It's like, hey, listen to me play. You know, it's like, (laughs) hey, if you know, couldn't you you shut up for one song? Can you shut up for this little spiel about Neil and this song, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I let the rest of it go (laughs) when they're talking. (laughs) But, you know, um, I'm just, I'm being a little silly, but, 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 but it does, it gives me, like, because it's hard out there, especially solo, and I'm not complaining, but it's like, yeah. it's very, it's a very selfish, self-centered world, you know, wow. being yeah. up there on stage and sure. like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to mm-hmm. me, you know, mm-hmm. and it gives me a little bit of, a little bit of relief from that, you know, self-focus a little bit. Yeah. Oddly enough, it's a selfish thing to make me feel better in some ways, <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but it gives me a little bit, just a little bit edge of a different, a little bit different purpose yeah. Yeah. than just out there listening to my music, buy my records, help yeah. my career, whatever. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, if I can promote the foundation, but, um, but as far as Neil's imprint, you know, uh, I mean, 
I met Jeff through Neil mm. years ago because on my Rather Not Know record, I did some shows on a tour with uh, opening for um, for Robert Randolph and uh-huh. Hazen Malays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil and Jeff and Dan's band um, uh, played the, those shows as well. So that's when I met Jeff and got to hang out with him and, of course, fell in love with his bass playing. Yeah. The, on the first song that I saw him play, I was like, wow, that guy's got it. <laughs> So I'm very fortunate to get to play with all these guys for yep. sure. Yep. Who I get to see and play. And I was like, man, I want to play with that guy. And then I get to, <laughs> um, and you know, and Tony playing with me some now uh-huh. and on these last few records, awesome. you know, awesome. and, the, and yeah. Tony and Jeff having the relationship they have yeah. through Neil. I mean, I've met so many people through Neil and through the foundation uh-huh. and, you know, Gary and I, you know, having a strong relationship now neil's um best friend gary waldman and and longtime manager mm-hmm. and gary's the head of the foundation um i've i've become closer friends and and reconnected with uh with christy coleman who was neil's ex-wife uh-huh. who we played at his wedding and you know i've been friends yeah. with christy but not wasn't that close yeah. and so we've become very close friends and just I've met so many people like Dave Schools is now a close yeah. friend and, yeah. and and Jesse Acock, who mm-hmm. was on, you know, who was on the reservoir, who was um in the hard working Americans with 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 Neil and all those and, and like schools. human gifts he and, gave you. Yeah. What's that? It's like human gifts he left you with. Yeah. yeah. Like Dave, Dave, all Dave Schools calls him, you know, just says, you know, he's a he's a kingmaker, you know, he's yeah. a he's a networker, you know. Yeah. He was a, he's a total like even now. He's like bringing a meeting people and, and meeting yeah. you and meet like just all kinds of people through Neil. And uh so he's very much a part of my life, That's you right. know. Um all I have to do is open my eyes and ears and I see that, right you know, there. in heart a lot of times, you know. Right. Um, when I get outside of myself and not so stuck in my own shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I can make it, it's, I, it's, I have a lot of gratitude, you know? So oddly enough, you know, before Neil was just supposed to produce my record mm-hmm. yep. and he's done so much more for me and yeah. he didn't even produce my record. Yeah. You know, how weird is that? You know, it's yeah. like he didn't produce my record yet. He created this network of people, you know, that is sort of rekindled, uh, I wouldn't say my career, I mean, too much like business wise, but, but a little bit, but, but in a sense of like my love for things, it's, yeah. it's inspired me. Um, it's made me appreciate being a leader and appreciate like people like Neil who step aside and put their egos aside and help me so much yeah. with my music. You know, I, it's like just seeing somebody like him and people like him and people and hear people talking and telling stories about how much he was like that. It really is like, you know, I, I definitely took for granted a lot of times in my life and musical career, mm-hmm. all the people that have helped me out and just who have like put up with my shit just to, and played with me and put up with me, you know, and, and it's, I don't take it for granted quite as much anymore. Just how many people have sort of facilitated my records and my music happening and coming to life. You know, I, I, I it's very easy to get sort of stuck in there. Yeah, I did this, you know, it's like, no, you know, a lot of people, uh, made sacrifices, you know, whether it's through mm-hmm. like Gary or family or friends mm-hmm. or the people who played with me, you know, people, so many people who are such great musicians, you know, like would 
yeah, don't worry about paying me today. You know, things like yeah. that is just amazing. Um, just because they liked what I did, yeah. you know, or they liked me, yeah. which either one, like we just <laughs> said, does it matter? You know, yeah. does it matter? Like I was saying before, yeah, if, they, if they're doing it because Whatever they love is. you as a person or yeah. because they love your music, it's yeah. like, well, it the doesn't action. really matter. It's still love. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's still like appreciation and respect yeah. and, you know, and, and I think I have to pause and look at that and take that, you know, I don't, it's sort of like, let's get, you know, to go back to the sort of magic thing or the, you know, spirituality thing. Does it really even matter? Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I don't know. It, it's something a blessing or is it just luck? Yeah. All I know is if you don't look at it and, and if you take it for granted and you're not grateful for it, you lose it no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. don't see it and you don't appreciate it, you don't have it, you know? And yeah. so I think with, you know, am I blessed to play with these people? I don't know if that's the word I'd use. Am I lucky? Did I earn it? Probably not fully. That's for sure. Cause I definitely haven't gotten all the things I've, I've deserved because I'd be, you know, in a lot of trouble if I got paid, paid in that way. Um, but you know, but, but I, it's just, as, it's more important that I'm grateful for it yeah. than it is that I know what it's called and why it happened. Yeah. You know, that $20 tip, appreciating my music, whether you played with me because you loved me or appreciated me or whether you love my music or whatever it is, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You know, it's lost if I don't pay attention to it. So, yeah. No doubt. It's beautiful. Um, maybe a silly question, but any poignancy and uh 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 seven albums in having a self-titled album now or <laughs> I, I I had a couple of people say, you know, well it's quite appropriate a lot, you know, for, for a rebirth kind of record and yeah, you know, yeah, that's that, how I was thinking. You know, People say, you know, and then a lot of people say that that's what people tend to do is when they do a self-titled record late in their later in their careers. Yeah. Like when they've gotten that, had the yeah, that it's sort of a rebirth or a, yeah, or a new life or whatever, yeah. a new, a different kind of career start. And I guess my answer is, if you want to look at it that way, but maybe I just just um yeah. didn't want to have to remember the name of my record. You know, <laughs> I'm almost fifty one. No, okay. um, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I I would. I'll say that I'd seen somewhat recently a couple of people had done that, but also one of my favorite records ever is the Bobby Charles self-titled record, yeah. which was made in Woodstock at Bearsville. Yeah. Um, and with members of the band, Dr. Tom and all those guys and some Woodstock locals, um, Jeff Mulder and, and, and some of those cats. And, um, and I was like, well, okay, I'll just do self-titled like that, you know. I just won't call it. It's my Woodstock record, so I'll just self-title it like the Bobby Charles record, you know. And yeah. uh, and I love that record, like I said, and the sound of it. And I think that Chris can kind of pull that off, that nice, warm, early 70s Woodstock, Bearsville kind of vibe. And there's some gear and that. and baffles and gobos and stuff from Bearsville at at applehead studios so oh, cool. um i like to I pretend like that. when that one there's one baffle that vocal booth like mobile vocal booth kind of thing mm -hmm. uh baffle that um that is from bearsville that's at applehead and mm -hmm. um i don't think i even knew that on the first mm -hmm. record uh, that i did there but on this on this new one i just pretended oh, that i was I was in the vocal booth that uh, Peter Tosh did Bush Doctor in. Uh, I was like, uh, okay, this is good. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
channel let me channel you know bush doctor what a great one of my favorite records as well yeah well i love meatloaf i didn't do the meatloaf i didn't pretend i went for you know bobby charles and peter tosh on that well i love the record i really do it's been fun um you know it's actually led me to digging back into the reservoir which has been cool even digging further back in the hi-hat and kind of re-examining your stuff and just been tons of fun getting into the music but this one really it really got me so i'm glad to talk about it and spread the word some so thank you i appreciate your time and i appreciate your answers and the whole thing it's just fun to talk about oh man thank you so much i really really appreciate it thanks for for talking to me
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.